Sure, and no, I certainly look at things uh, from a positive perspective, even though we are in challenging times. And, you know, I've, I've just been encouraged, as I mentioned earlier, about the activity and the calls and the emails I'm getting on, on new opportunities out there. So that that's what's encouraging me is that, yes, some are pumping the brakes, but a lot of projects that we've seen and we're hearing about new that people are pressing ahead. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Rural Matters. I'm your host, Michelle Rathman, and I am grateful to be with you all. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. And for those of you who have chosen to make Rural Matters part of your routine now, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are helping us reach our goal. We're very close to 25,000 downloads. And uh, I think we're going to, you know, just continue down this path because we've got a really great lineup uh, in a new series that I'll tell you about in just a moment. So, uh, again, for those of you who are new to the podcast, you should know that our mission here on Rural Matters, we're here to increase awareness, inform discussion and promote intelligent dialogue on the most important issues facing rural stakeholders today. Of course, you can listen to Rural Matters on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher or wherever you like to get your podcast. Of course, we always encourage you to subscribe. You don't have to think about it. They'll just automatically get pushed to your device wherever you listen. And we do hope that you'll tell your colleagues and friends. Uh, I want to mention if you have an idea uh, about a series or an episode, if you have a question about something that what you're doing uh, or a comment, we sure do appreciate your feedback. You can send us an email at podcasttoday at gmail.com. That's podcast two, the number today at gmail.com. And of course, we really appreciate it if you could follow us on Twitter, uh, easy to find at Real Matters Pod, or certainly you can follow me as well at MRB Impact. Okay, so today's episode, I'm really eager to be talking about one of the most important issues facing rural America and one that has taken on an increased significance in this COVID era. And I can't believe I have to say the COVID era, but that's where we are. Um, And we're going to be talking about rural economics, including government assistance of rural communities, rural lending and rural development. This is such an important topic, not just now, but really all the time in rural and so for that reason, we did reach out to a transformative resource, the Thomas USAF Group, and to collaborate with us on a four-part series that begins today. Uh, we're calling it Rural Economic and Community Development, and I couldn't think of a better person to kick off this series with us than my good friend, Thomas Kimsey. Thomas is president and CEO of Thomas USAF. AF Group, LLC. He started with the company in 1990 and currently manages and oversees more than $100 million in loan origination and underwriting annually. With more than 28 years of SBA and USDA lending experience, Thomas has established his nationwide industry footprint and has closed a multitude of loans in various industries with a heavy concentration in the hospitality and healthcare sectors. Thomas excels by working directly with business owners, partner banks, and the SBA, USDA, allowing him to effectively manage the loan process from start to finish. He is recognized by his associates for his leadership skills. I can certainly attest to that. His involvement in the community and his passion and determination to provide access to capital in rural America. Thomas, uh, it's so great to have you back. Welcome to Rural Matters once again. No, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for uh, that nice, kind introduction there. Uh, It's great to be with you again. We certainly um, appreciate the opportunity to uh, be a part of of your series and to do a four-part series on how we can, as you mentioned earlier, 
access to capital to rural America. I mean, that's what it's all about. And we're certainly glad to partner with you and, and do our part and uh, uh, really excited about this and, you know, just excited to work with you. Uh, was, you know, very uh, thankful that you joined us uh, December at our annual roundtable in uh, D.C. with the stakeholders and the USDA. Uh, got a lot of wonderful feedback uh, on your presentation and, and uh, the folks there have an opportunity to meet with you. So I just want to thank you again for joining us there. And uh, we hope uh, you'll join us in December, uh, assuming we can meet. So well, I, I, I so appreciate that because I think, gosh, you know, December, it wasn't all that long ago, but it was, you know, it just seems like centuries ago. And it's interesting because when we... Um, we're at your roundtable in December. I was so energized by hearing about all the opportunities for economic development in rural. And you all were talking about renewable energy and water and, you know, small business. And now here we are uh, in May of 2020. That was December of 2019. And, uh, you know, the world has changed since that time. So I know we want to really talk about uh, economic development, but first, um, I think it's important, you know, to be relevant here. Let's begin with an update on what's happening in rural America uh, from your perspective sure. in terms of dealing with COVID on an economic level, because it's been, you know, just a tsunami of activities. Uh, the impact has been in so many places catastrophic. So kind of, if you will, give us a big picture overview of what that looks like right now. Sure. You know, as you mentioned, you know, a big part of our portfolio is, you know, hospitality, healthcare sector. And, you know, being a member of the National Rural Health Association, certainly been in tune uh, to what's been going on with our, our rural hospitals that have been hit extremely hard. And uh, we've worked uh, along with them and a lot of others to, uh, you know, to get additional funding, making sure they have access to the SBA PPP uh, loan program. Uh, so that's been really important. And, you know, from a hospitality uh, being a big part of our portfolio, that industry has been mm -hmm. devastated. You know, a lot of, um, and I had a call yesterday from a uh, hotel owner. I mean, you know, as he said, I mean, I, I, he said, I can't open, you know, I have no customers. And uh, it's just uh, a devastating effect on on that industry as well as, as so many others. Uh, and that's why we've been working, you know, extremely hard on the PPP program to try to help so many small businesses, uh, you know, around the country and territories uh, to navigate through this this challenging time. But it has been, uh, you know, extremely, I mean, we've helped all kinds of industries and everybody's facing, you know, just some really dire times here. Yeah, I know we we've done a couple episodes just on the impact, of course, on healthcare, and it, it, you know it's been very interesting because you take a look at hospitality, for example, and um, they had to shut their doors because they had no guests, whereas hospitals had they couldn't shut their doors and they had to remain open, and so everyone has different needs. Let's kind of break this down because. Um, for many, for many out there who are not in this industry, and I certainly don't understand all of it, there has been several different stimulus packages that have come out that, and there's been money carved out for rural. So can you walk us through just the various stimulus packages and how they pertain to the rural sector? Let's just talk, you know, brass tacks. How much cash has actually made its way to rural sectors? Sure. So, you know, just starting with the big picture, I mean, obviously, you know, the the big program was the 
in the CARES Act, the PPP program. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had we had the first round that the money went very quick. The second round is still money available. Um, and, you know, just from our perspective, and I'll come back around, you know, for us, we, we've been able to do, you know, a little less than 300 loans for probably 120 million, which, you know, is not a lot compared to your your mega banks but for a small group like us it's a tremendous amount when I mean, we've done loans as low as you know a thousand dollars to you know seven and a half million in you know across the country including the territory from the virgin islands to hmm. uh, over to you know the western pacific uh, so we're very happy about that you know we've been able to help you know some of our rural customers uh, as well through that so, you know, that program was open, you know, to most everybody. Uh, we had to work hard to get the municipal-owned hospitals opened up uh, under the PPP, but we finally got that done in round two, which certainly helped, you know, rural America, urban America, everybody involved uh, through that program. Mm-hmm. The SBA also had the, you know, the EIDL, the Economic Disaster Loan Program, the direct program that was open to everybody, which ran out of funding fairly quick. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there there's certainly been, you know, from the hospital perspective, there have been other fundings through uh, different sources in the government there uh, as well. What I would say from our perspective that we worked a lot on and we had a lot of calls with Congress where we would normally meet with them, we did a lot of Zoom calls, conference calls, just advocating that we felt like rural America was left out of the equation. And we lobbied and advocated a tremendous amount, you know, for our rural areas. So what I would add is that the USDA did get an allocation of money in the original CARES Act of about $20 million that they can utilize on a on a loan program. So they're in the process of working through that right now to come up with a BNI CARES Act loan program, uh, which we can talk about in a bit. But those are some of the buckets that were available uh, mm-hmm. out there as well. And the USDA, you know, there is some there is some grants uh, available to rural America, too. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction because, you know, we hear um, lo- loans and then we hear grants. And at the end of the day, um, Again, I because you're you're the the financial brains here. You know the loans that are that are out there and that you have been able to place. Uh, I would imagine that so much is riding on being able to resume um, business, and that at some point in time, people are going to have to start to repay uh, the loans. So I, I wonder uh, what 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 that will look like because you you are in Georgia, and we were just talking before we recorded here about your state being open. I'm in Illinois. We're still not open, not until the end of the month that we project. And who knows? Uh, I mean, if you could pull out your crystal ball, what's it going to look like down the road? You know, when when it's time to start, you know, uh, paying back some of these loans, do you think that the small businesses and those that you're working with are going to be in a position, um, you know, to to resume and, and to be able to start generating revenue to make things happen? No, that that's a great question. And you know, certainly, you know, the benefit of the PPP loan program was it's, you know, most of it's forgivable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all can be forgivable, but most of it up to 75% will likely be forgivable. You know, it's a two-year loan program at 1% uh, first six months of, you know, deferred payments. Uh, so, you know, in that case, that's a great program because most of it is forgivable. But, 
you know, as far as other, you know, outstanding loans that borrowers have, particularly small business borrowers, you know, part of the CARES Act, the SBA did, you know, allow for six months of deferred principal and interest payments for any existing borrower, which was huge. I mean, I think that's that's amazing that they were able to do that. And then, you know, if you close a, a new loan right now, you also get that first six months of principal and interest payment. So that obviously was a big help for a lot of our small business borrowers. You know, as far as the USDA, uh, they also came out with a deferred uh, principal and interest payments as well under the BNI program, which we certainly uh, appreciated that for our rural borrowers. And then under the community facility programs, they also came out um, with up to 12 months of deferred uh, principal and interest payments. So we were very appreciative for the, you know, the USDA uh, taking that initiative, helping our rural uh, borrowers, nonprofits and whatnot. So that's been a huge help in this uh, challenging time we face, you know, ourselves in because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, just like in the hospitality sector, so many businesses, they have no revenue. And I can't stress that enough. That, mm-hmm. You know, if you have no revenue, you have no customers. Uh, you know, it's pretty challenging to uh, to operate. But, uh, you know, here in Georgia, yes, we're fortunate. We're starting to open things back up and uh, uh, getting things going. But that's not, you know, not the case across the country. But you know, businesses need revenue and the PPP was certainly a, a great step in the right direction of helping uh, small businesses get their employees back, back working, being able to pay them. But one of the areas that, you know, it, it sort of lack was lacking was actually providing true working capital, because if that business has no, you know, really customers or business to come back to, then at the end of eight weeks, we really have just put a Band-Aid on things. Exactly. And that's been my probably my biggest concern. I mean, I've been, I'm have been i a small business owner. I've had my own business for 31 years. And, you know, you kind of scratch your head and go, okay, you know, small businesses aren't sitting on hordes of cash. We just continually reinvest in our businesses. It's interesting that you say, because I was talking with somebody who is a small boutique kind of ho- hotel. And I said, what about if we talk about doing something? We've got all these moms and dads at home schooling their children. What if we started out with a small group and just, you know, try to, you know, create a, a family, a mom and dad night out type of thing. And we, we said in reality, that's not going to, mm-hmm. they're going to need, you know, to, to, that steady flow of business. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, but we come back, Thomas, I, I really want to talk to you about um, just kind of the vision for economic development going forward, you know, because at some point in time, we will be beyond COVID. And, you know, um, with all the talk about treatments and, and vac- vaccine and so forth, let's just put that aside and let's think for a moment that we are beyond this and we're at the end of the summer going into fall going into the winter months i'm curious about your thoughts what you what you see to be the opportunities for economic development because i think if anything this is really for me it's forced us to think creatively and say oh we can't do things the same way that we've always done it but that doesn't mean that we we have to stop our growth we can think innovatively and and think um, strategically and think ahead. So I'm I'm curious about where you see economic development happening, recovery first, 
which we've talked about, and then development. So when we come back, let's talk about recovery and then development and then stay focused on solutions because at the end of the day, there are a lot of people talking about the problems. That doesn't serve our audience. Uh, I'd like to share with them some ideas and some pathways um, to recovery. So with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Rural Matters would like to thank the following partners for their support of the program. The National Rural Education Association is the voice of all rural schools and rural communities across the United States. In an increasingly confusing system, NREA helps rural educators navigate through the noise by finding and helping them use the resources needed to educate today's students. Whether that's a rundown on current legislation and how it affects rural communities or guidance on how to meet specific educational needs within your community, this outstanding national organization can help. NREA is the place to turn. For more information, visit nrea.org. Also, Community Hospital Corporation, we'd like to thank them. They own, manage, and consult with hospitals through three distinct organizations, CHC Hospitals, CHC Consulting, and CHC Continue Care, which share a common purpose to guide, support, and enhance the mission of community hospitals and healthcare providers. Based in Plano, Texas, CHC provides the resources and experience community hospitals need to improve quality outcomes, patient satisfaction, and financial performance. For more information, please visit the CHC website at communityhospitalcorp.com. Also, we'd like to thank Thomas USAF Group, and of course, a special thanks to them for their collaboration and sponsorship of this entire four-part series on rural economic development. Whether you are looking to finance your business or sell your loan in the secondary market, Thomas USAF Group has the expertise to provide extraordinary results for its clients. With 40 years of experience working in the government-guaranteed loan space, their team is uniquely positioned to offer exceptional services to meet your business needs. The established 40-year relationships they have developed with their lending partners and USDA, SBA, national footprint, and seasoned and knowledgeable staff enable them to help your clients achieve successful results. For more information, visit thomasusaf.com. That's thomasusaf.com. And now let's get back to our discussion. Okay, let's get back to our uh, discussion with Thomas uh, Kimsey. I'm I'm so appreciative to have you here, Thomas, because um, you and I have connected you know, during this time, February, March, April, we, we've connected via email and I've seen you really active with NRHA uh, advocating, as you as you say, and you, you've just been spending, you and your team, I mean, I can't even imagine how many hours a day just processing loans and talking with clients and doing your best to help people. Um, we are still very much in a, would you say that we've even hit a recovery stage at this point? Where do you think we really are uh, from your perspective? Yeah, that's that's a good question, Michelle. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think we're, we're, we're starting, you know, we're starting to get there, you know, the recovery, uh, you know, as we've talked a lot about today is, you know, is the is the PPP program uh, taking us in that recovery direction and, and allowing, you know, small businesses to uh, get people back employed and, and pay them. So it's certainly a step in the right direction. You know, I will say, Yes, we've spent day and night processing PPPs for the last uh, six weeks, but we are starting to refocus on our core business of, of new loans. And I will say the last, uh, you know, last week and this week, yes, I've seen a, a fair amount of activity of, of new calls, um, new opportunities. So I'm, I'm really excited 
about that opportunity to get back to, you know, helping the small businesses, nonprofits. You know, yesterday I had a, a call about a large replacement hospital that needs to be done. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're, uh, we're starting to uh, move in that direction slowly. That's encouraging. I was working, um, you know, just before all this happened, I was working uh, with a hospital that was looking at a replacement facility as well. And, you know, everyone had to kind of press the pause button, but that doesn't mean that the needs aren't still there. Um, and, and so with respect to the hospitality industry, uh, what do you project, um, you know, in, in terms of, I mean, the sad story is, is that we will see some not, not able to come back. Um, are you feeling encouraged at all about some of uh, some maybe more innovation around um, that industry? What are your if you had a crystal ball, what would you say that's going to look like six months from now? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny, you, you know, again, the hospitality industry. I mean, I, I do have, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, I was just on the phone with my underwriters this morning. We were talking about a couple of opportunities we're looking at, you know, under the USDA BNI program. And, uh, you know, we certainly uh, are still open to it. We've got to be cautious and look at the markets and and really uh, see how, you know, they're going to transition uh you know because we are in a new norm and how what technology and things are going to do um to make their guests comfortable Mm -hmm. but you know i think you know as we we move into you know the summer uh we move into you know as we move into this recovery and things begin to improve you know i think um you know the consumer are they're going to start yes they're going to start traveling Uh, i think it's going to be a a slow recovery uh but you know, I think there are a lot of good markets out there. Uh, we just got to look at the at the brands in the market and you know see how we can help them uh, maneuver maneuver through this process. You know, I think the challenge. You know, there are a tremendous amount of new construction, new builds in the hospitality sector. I think that's going to be a bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I think you know, like all the industries. Um, you know, I think from our perspective, there uh, a lot of our borrowers are are stronger uh, multi-property owners, and uh, you know that will we'll maneuver uh, maneuver through this. And so, you know, we're going to keep looking at it. You know, I, I, I'm recalling how we, we can help. our conversation. I'm sorry, in uh, December, and I was also hearing a lot about investing in um, long-term and assisted living facilities. And obviously, yes. through this time, we've recognized that, you know, even where I live, uh, we have one of the largest outbreaks of COVID-19 in, a, in an assisted living facility. I know that things are are vastly improving in where that's concerned because of testing. And we know so much more now than we did two months ago. Uh, is there still lending happening around building long-term care facilities in rural communities? Well, again, it's funny you asked about that because yes we have a, a you know bni application in now for you know an assisted living project here in georgia mm. and again you know a multi-owner uh as well so yes we're continuing to look at that uh we we've got one that we're closing out on the permanent loan uh probably this month uh they've they're ramping up they've been fortunate uh you know, from an assisted living perspective, uh, to be able to keep things uh, without having any issues, I uh, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But 
that's you know still an area that we're uh, we're we're comfortable with uh, skilled nursing facilities, assisted living, and um, you know I've done a lot of work, and we've got a lot of opportunities actually moving forward with both you know assisted living and skilled nursing. So yes, uh, we will continue to land in that sector. That's good. That's that's good news because we know that in our rural communities we have a more aging population and. Certainly, the solution isn't, um, you know, we can't stand still. We have to look forward. You know, I know that there is talk um, in the the House right now, and, of course, we're recording this, so things could change tomorrow. There is a a fourth package that's, you know, at least in the House right now. Do you – what's your knowledge of what uh, might be allocated in that if if it goes through the Senate? I have no idea where that is in the process – but do you know what might be allocated for rural? What's earmarked for rural in that fourth package? Well, yeah, there, there's certainly a lot, a lot in that package, uh, a lot of a lot of things. So we're still still reviewing that. I do, you know, know there is proposed additional funding um, for the PPP program, and there is some money. I don't know the specifics, you know, uh, for some for some for the rural areas um, as well. But we're still reading through that, trying to understand exactly, you know, what the breakdown is. But, mm-hmm. you know, the good thing is there is, you know, additional funding in that. It just depends on, you know, does it make it uh, through the Senate or not? Uh, but, you know, from our perspective, I mean, we, we continue, like I say, we, we've continued to have calls each week with different congressional and senatorial delegations to uh, lobby for rural America. I mean, we want to make sure rural America gets their fair share and uh, we will continue to do that, you know, from the hospitals to our small business owners in rural America. And, and you know, just, uh, you know, from the USDA perspective that they're giving, you know, sufficient funds so they can help rural America. So that's certainly something uh, we do on a weekly basis mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that uh, access to capital is provided uh, to rural America and that they, you know, they're, they're given the same benefit. Yeah, that's the key word. Cause my next question, it's almost like we're in each other's heads right now. So my next question is just really about access <laughs> because, you know, it's easy to, like, to hear all oh, there's this available and, and, you know, USDA and SBA and, and HHS and all these funds are out there. But I wonder for someone who is in a, uh, a community that, um, you know, may not understand. And certainly it doesn't matter where you live. This is not easy stuff. I mean, if you're not really in the know, it's who you know. And and so how does one go about even understanding if they're a eligible? Who do they turn to? What what kind of, you know, uh, 101 education can you give us on how does one or business owner, small business owner, how do they access the capital? What would be your recommendation for a first step for them to take? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess what I'd say from a first step would be, you know, to reach out to their local banker who they, they bank with if they have that local relationship. That's very important because they, you know, the local bank knows their customer. They know that borrower and their situation. You know, if not, you can always, you know, go to the SBA.gov or USDA. You know, ruraldevelopment.gov. Those are two good resources as well, just to see, you know, what's available and what's out there. I mean, there just there is a lot of information out there um, uh, available. But 
you know, as far as the the funding available, there is still, uh, and I know I keep referencing the PPP program, but because that's the forefront, the main program out there, there is still funds available under that program. I was told yesterday, I think there are about another hundred million left. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's certainly, you know, a bucket of money that's available. And as, as we talked about in this fourth stimulus bill, I'm, uh, I'm confident there are going to be more money made available uh, under the program. And then, you know, additional funding, you know, for rural areas, whether it's under HHS or or, or through other programs, uh, you know, the USDA or the SBA uh, programs as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, about the, the BNI CARES Act, the funding they received, and they are working on a, a working capital a loan program. Mm-hmm. That should be coming out soon. They're just waiting once it has clearance so they can publish it in the federal registrar. So that should be coming soon. And what we think that will provide, you know, it is a working capital loan program. It will not be a forgivable loan program like the PPP under the SBA, but it will provide our rural borrowers, nonprofits. It will be eligible, uh, nonprofits will be eligible to access the program, but it will provide that working capital. Uh, that's much needed that the PPP did not provide. And, and this is specifically for nonprofits? It'll be for nonprofits wow. and for profits. So okay. it'll be if you're eligible, it, but it will be specific to the USDA Rural Development Loan Programs, whether that's the business and industry or the community facility. Those that qualify will be eligible for this loan program that will be coming out soon. Yeah, we think it'll fill a, a big gap providing working capital up to 10 years, um, you know, some enhanced features that that will that will help the uh, the banks, you know, sign on to it as well. Uh, so we're we're certainly looking forward to that and certainly appreciate the leadership over there at USDA um, from Betty Band, the undersecretary to the you know administrators as well and the job they're doing. So we're, we've got a great relationship and they're doing a great job, you know, to provide this capital to rural America. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that because, you know, again, I'm going to turn back my clock in December when we were in, in uh, DC, I had the opportunity to meet with USDA rural development and there were so many amazing things happening um, at the time. And I'm seeing the work that's happening with respect to investing in broadband, which we know, I think, uh, it would be uh, just ridiculous to not say it out loud that we've seen this pandemic. We really understand. I mean, those of us in the know who are focused on rural, we've known this for a long time. The investment in things like broadband and so forth, it just, you know, it cannot be said enough how significant of an issue it's been uh, for so many communities. And I've been really pleased to see that there's a lot of work still going on uh, in that regard as well. So in the few minutes that we have left, um, this series, we're going to really talk about economic development. And it may seem challenging or maybe even impossible for some folks to kind of see and envision where we're going to be next year in 2022. We have to plan for our future. So we're going to be talking a lot about development and opportunities. And Thomas, I want to know um, everything you've been working on, rapid pace, people in dire need, you know, working to service their loans. Through all of that, I I don't know you all that well, but I, I do understand that you are a guy that uh, kind of looks at half glass 
helpful. And uh, I wonder what mm-hmm. what encourages you right now? What are you seeing out there that that you think is worth spotlighting that's encouraging uh, with respect to rural development at this point in time? Sure. Now, I certainly look at things uh, from a positive perspective, even though we are in challenging times. And, you know, I've, I've just been encouraged, as I mentioned earlier, about the activity and the calls and the emails I'm getting on, on new opportunities um, out there. And so that that's what's encouraging me is that, yes, a lot of, you know, some are pumping the brakes, but a lot of projects that we've seen and we're hearing about new that people are pressing ahead with these projects and they're, they're, you know, they're optimistic as well that we'll get through this, even though it's going to be a challenging time over the next few months. But, you know, a large part of our, you know, our deal flow, you know, is expansion. Some, some are, you know, new, some may be startup, generally expansion. But, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged and, and feel that these projects are continuing and the new ones are continuing and that we'll see probably in the third, probably the fourth quarter, you know, a lot of, a lot of activity. But, uh, you know, based on, you know, what we're seeing, uh, we're, we're continuing to submit applications. Uh, we have uh, several applications in and at the USDA. And I expect, you know, we had a pharmaceutical deal that we're closing this week. Uh, we had a solar project approved last week. Wow. Uh, but we're continuing to see, you know, loans approved. We're continuing to submit loans. We have a very large project, a manufacturing project uh, that we're getting ready to submit uh, next week. And um, it's just encouraging to continue to get calls from small business owners, nonprofits that, you know, need help with these projects. And um, so that's it. That's what's encouraging to me. And and we're going to keep we're going to keep working with them. We're going to keep working with the uh, the USDA, who's certainly, you know, there for for us to work with. I mean, they're they're uh, given a lot of support. They want to do everything they can to support small business in rural America. So uh, as we partner together, you know, uh, we're going to continue to provide this access to capital that's desperate needed in rural America uh, to keep these communities going and keep people employed. I I mean, I appreciate you sharing that because it, it can be so easy day after day after day kind of hearing about things that aren't working and how every, you know, the kind of the world is stopped. But in your world, you're 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 seeing things happen in the pipeline. And I, I, I think that is very encouraging. It gives me a lot of hope that with everything that we're going through as a nation, that there are people who are still, you know, able and, and willing to kind of take on new projects. And I can't wait to hear about some of these things that you're doing as we continue with this series. It'll be great to um, potentially hear from some of those that you're working with about about the projects they're working on and what that means at the end of the day for the economic um, stability of rural communities. So when you're building a, a manufacturing facility, what does that mean in terms of the potential impact, positive impact for jobs, for you know restarting rural economies again? And that's going to be the way we get our hospitality businesses back open, our restaurants, our, our main street businesses. And so we'll be really looking forward to hear about the progress and developments where that is concerned. Thomas, I'm so appreciative that you took the time out to, to talk with us today. You're a very important partner for Rural Matters, and um, 
I just want to thank you again for all the work that you're doing on behalf of, of rural America with respect to access to capital. So we're going to have you back on with some other really special guests. Uh, at this point, I do want to acknowledge and thank our Rural Matters marketing partners, the Center for Rural Affairs, Community Hospital Corporation, Foundation for Rural Service, the Journal of Research in Rural Education, Learning Blade, NTCA, that's the Rural Broadband Association, the National Rural Education Association, the National Rural Health Association, and Ohio Small and Rural Collaborative, and AASA, that's the School Superintendents Association, and the National Rural Assembly, as well as the National Grange. These partnering organizations help Rural Matters be an even more powerful forum for the discussion of the issues affecting rural communities, like the conversation we had today. Now, if you would like more information, again, as I said, you can email us at podcasttoday at gmail.com. As always, we would appreciate it if you would rate this podcast on iTunes, tell your friends and colleagues. And I also want to thank my producer, Michael Levin Epstein. I do appreciate everything he does for the program. Uh, Thomas, again, thank you so much. Cannot wait to have you back on. Thank you, Michelle. It's always a pleasure, and uh, it's just great that we can work together to help rural America. And look forward to giving you updates on some of these new projects and more specifics in the future. So thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time on Rural Matters. 